Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 209. We're going to give you a tech tour today. I'm Chris, your your tour guide, and along for the ride is my assistant. Uh, I'm Matt, and I'm definitely along for the ride. <laughs> if Matt's little chimes on his phone wouldn't quit going off. Um, so, a few, um, this will probably be pretty short, but um, <clears throat> a few things going on in the tech world that we wanted to bring your attention to. Um, one of them is in March, we're supposed to see the ability to use the Amazon Android App Store within Windows 11 and run those apps natively in Windows. Um, That's huge. It is. For, I mean, it can be. Um, the downside of it is, is there's a lot of apps in the Amazon Store that aren't in the Google Play Store. Um, but I'm sure somebody will figure a workaround to get Google Play to work. If, if, if you can get Amazon's App Store to work, and I know that you can get Google Play to work on like an Amazon Kindle uh, Fire tablet, uh, somebody will figure the reverse and get it working so that you can, you know, play your favorite Android games that aren't, ex aren't in the Amazon App Store for, uh, you know, via Google Play on your Windows 11 box. I mean, some of it I think is interesting. Like um, when Apple moved to the, <clears throat> the uh, ARM socks the apple socks uh, their own chips on their you could now run ios apps from the app store directly on your your apple silicon mac and it's been hit or miss because it's one of those things where a developer has to enable it so that you can see it in the app store on your mac to be able to then install it um, but like star trek timelines plays on your mac um, and it's a very similar experience to the Windows App Store version of Star Trek Timelines. In that respect, um, <clears throat> you know, you have to use a mouse to scroll through things and stuff. It's no big deal. I haven't found an app that I absolutely had, uh, would need. But my son on his MacBook Pro has been running the iOS Plex app instead of the macOS Plex app, which has been interesting. And it works extremely well. It's a very stable app. Uh, I'm thinking about replacing the macOS Plex app on my Mac with the iOS one just because I don't have to manually go out and update it. So, um, there, you know, there is a place for that. And, you know, I definitely on my Windows machine, Windows 11 laptop, I play games that I play on my iPad and my, my iPhone. So, um, it's not like it's something that I would find unprecedented to, to find a good game and want to play it. The, the funny thing is, is probably the game that would benefit the most from being able to play on your iPhone and your iPad and your, your Apple Silicon Mac is a game that won't be there anytime soon as far as I know, and that's Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> not anytime soon. Speaking of Epic Games, um, they're not going to update Fortnite to run on SteamOS because, you know, also next month, one of the big things coming out, and it's, it's something I, I've had my pre-order in since the beginning, is getting my Steam Deck. And uh, it's got a 9-inch screen. The reviews have been great. It's custom AMD hardware. Um, it's upgradable. 
And uh, but it runs SteamOS, which is their flavor of, of Linux. The reason Fortnite doesn't work is because they don't have a compatible version of their anti-cheat software that runs on Linux. Now, that being said, um, the folks at Steam are working on anti-cheat software that, or, or, you know, getting a version that will run on Linux. It's in their best interest. I mean, I game, my main gaming PC that I run, Civ and and all the games that I have in Steam on is actually a Linux laptop, a gaming laptop that runs Linux. So I, I it's not something that's unsurmountable, but probably one of the greatest things to be in computer gaming right now, the Steam Deck, and the guys at Fortnite are like, no, we don't want any part of that. Really, I, my question is, is, does Epic really want, do they really care about their gamers? And I don't think that, I think the answer is no. I also don't think they care about making money because that's, that will be two major gaming platforms that they will have said, thanks, but no thanks, because we want to keep all of that in-game cash. <clears throat> and we can argue both sides of that, but the problem is that I have with, with Epic is Epic's built a platform that is essentially an ads platform. You know, if you want, if you want the premium stuff, you got to buy it in-game. And they don't want to pay any of the people who distribute their game for them for it. So let's turn that around. And, you know, they're claiming that Apple and, and even Android has had complaints against Epic about their abuses of, of the contract agreements that they have. So in my, in my heart of hearts, I really want, I, I hate games like Fortnite anyway. After about 20 minutes, I'm like, Okay, I've been killed by this guy. I killed that guy. I've ooh got better stuff, and then I'm like, okay, I can do without this game for another nine months. <laughs> now my stepsons like lived on Fortnite forever. Uh, I don't know how they would. It was like air to them. Well, I remember playing Quake Three and. And uh, Duke Nukem and all those games, and and they were fun, but I had the same issue. I now MMORPGs were totally different because they yes you could go out and you know you could tank all day long and and just kill creatures and stuff, but typically there were there were uh, missions or adventures to go on, and you know you could learn your character could learn skills to craft stuff, so you know you might be able to build weapons or armor or create magic items or you know scavenge and create food to heal your your character so there was more to it it would it, you know mmorpgs even some of them got to the point where it was like minecraft you know you build the, get the skills that you could build your own cabins that's the way the star wars one by sony was which was great is you could go out and you could you know shoot as many stormtroopers or other characters with a blaster or you could learn to build like your own stuff. And it got to the point where like you could build your own droid, you build your own starship, you know, and, and it was a lot of fun because you didn't, it wasn't necessarily a game where you had to battle the whole time. And that's what gets to me is I just get tired of it. Now, strategy games, I'm all about strategy games. Civilization, uh, even SimCity, I loved SimCity. Me too. You know, 
the whole idea of urban planning and I would play the scenarios where you know you were supposed to do things and um, even the Sims where it, I enjoyed that because you were building things you yeah know? yeah no it's that's <clears throat> my kind of game too and uh, so I don't really care because my Steam Deck is going to largely be devoted to playing Civ. <laughs> <laughs> but the difference is instead of having a laptop with a limited battery life in front of me, I'm going to have a Steam Deck in my hands playing Civ. So was that run cost-wise? Um, it, it's actually it, it's fairly competitive. Um, it's $399 for the, lo- the lowest end model, which is the one I got. Because and the only real difference, there's like three models. Um, the internal storage on the lowest on one is, I forget what it is, it's 64, 128 gig of space, but it has an SD card slot. So you can store your games on it, and they've showed demonstrations. Uh, even reviewers have taken their re- demonstration units that have been sent out because they're supposed to start fulfilling orders next month. Um, and they're lo- loading games off of SD card, and it's, it's fa- almost as fast as the internal storage. But they also, <clears throat> I fix it has a breakdown because they got a review unit, and um, and other reviewers have also taken theirs apart, and it's just an M.2 SSD, and you can replace it. So even if you bought the low end one, uh, you could put better storage in it, you know, for the future at, at a lower cost. Uh, there is a difference between the screens, but it wasn't whatever it was. I don't remember what it is. It wasn't enough to make me go, oh, I'm going to spend more money. So what's the form factor like? Is it more it's like, like your, switch. Ta- your tablet? or It's like a switch. So um, nine-inch screen in the middle. Okay. And then like the Joy-Cons attached to the side. Okay. You know. I mean, and I do own some games, um, mainly because my son likes them. So like GTA and stuff like that would probably that'd be a good form factor to play those types of games on. Yeah. Um, external wireless mouse compatibility? Yeah, I mean it it, it is a Linux PC. Um I'm just trying to decide. Well, there's a dock coming for it. Oh, okay. So that you can like dock it to your TV and then you could use USB controllers or or wireless controllers with it. It has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And uh, I'm trying to find a good uh, reason to buy one. Yeah. Well, for for one, you know, well, you know this because you, know, you helped build it and uh-huh. and whatnot. But uh, my current Steam machine is a is a Linux based thing that uh, I. A good number of of games that I've bought, I can't play on that machine, um, because they, there isn't a Linux based version of the game. Oh, and this is mostly the the older titles. They won't run under Proton. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to have you come over and and see what you think. So I thought I set your machine up so that Proton. It would play anything, you know. It would always default to Proton. In- so when, uh, like, Starfleet Academy yeah. came back out on Steam, I bought it on Steam, and uh, it won't run on, on the Linux machine. It says it doesn't hmm. 
know what to do with it. So, and that's a lot of those games. Are yeah. Like that. I just, well, those are so the old. The older too. titles are just yeah. like they're. I'm surprised they would run even on Windows current Windows today. <laughs> Without going through and making having yeah. it launch with the compatibility mode and all this other stuff. I, I don't know. Because there's a, there's a lot of DOS games that will run on Windows today, but the they were built to run on like a 16 megahertz clock. Well, I mean, take, so, take the original XCOM. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's literally a DOS-based game initially. Uh, it's 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 not, you know, you can still run it, but it's not the same. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to check that out. Maybe we might do a video on that one. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, let's move on. I'll, I'm highly anticipating my Steam Deck. My son. Was, well, another follow-up question yeah. before we move on. Hard drive space or storage. Yeah. How big? I, I think it. Hold on a minute. I'm actually gonna since you're asking. And, and really, the, the the reason for that is is you know I know Steam stores all your titles and all that, but it. The other uh, problem with my current Steam machine is I can only have, like, four active games. Oh. So it starts shipping this month. Oh, nice. Um, you do have to reserve it. It starts at $399. There's three models. Um, it's an AMD APU. It's a Zen 2 CPU, four-core, eight threads. Runs between 2.4 and 3.5 and gigahertz. It's 448 gigaflops. Um, GPU is eight RDNA two uh, compute units, so it'd be like a Vega two type. Um, Sixteen gig of RAM. Uh, the model I got, which is the smallest, is sixty four. The middle model is two fifty six, and the high end model is five twelve. But again, there's an SD card slot, and you can update that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they use all models use socketed twenty two thirty M dot two models. And then all models include a high-speed SD card slot. Um, has haptics, although that's the one thing the reviewers have said was kind of an afterthought. They're not super strong, but I don't care. I usually turn the haptics off because that kills battery life. Um, but you get A, B, X, Y buttons, a D-pad, left and right analog triggers, left and right bumpers, a view and menu buttons, and four assignable grip buttons. Um, and two full-size analog sticks with capacitive touch. Okay. And then, oh, sorry, it's a 7-inch diagonal screen, and it's IPS. You get 1280 by 800, so a 16 by 10 aspect ratio. That's about what I usually run anyway. Yep. Uh, it's touch-enabled, and it's got an ambient light sensor. Um, Bluetooth 5, support for controllers, accessories, and audio. Uh, Dual-band dual Wi-Fi, uh, AC. Uh, stereo, it's a 45-watt USB-C power with a 40-watt-hour battery. It says two to eight hours of gameplay. Um, what else? And then it runs SteamOS, which is Arch, Arch Linux-based, and uses a KDE Plasma desktop. But on it, um, they, they have a, an official dock that's not available at shipping, but it's going to have two USB 2.0 ports, <clears throat> a USB 3.1 Ethernet, power in, HDMI, and a Display 
port and then uh, a USB a C cable to the Steam Deck. So that, you know, it gives you expansion. You can either use it as a desktop dock or you can use it as a, like a console, like the, 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 the Switch dock for the Nintendo Switch. But so besides the hardware or the size of the hard drive, that, and I think it's like $100 for each upgrade. So it's like $399 for the base model with 64 gig of memory. It's like $499 or something like that for the... Let's say this correctly. I'll look at it. I hit the reserve button again. I've already reserved mine. Yeah, it's three ninety nine for the sixty four gig EMMC, and you get a carrying case. Um, <clears throat> Five twenty nine for the two fifty six, and that's the two fifty six is NVMe, not EMMC storage. Uh, you get a that you get a carrying case, and then you get a exclusive Steam Community Profile bundle. And then at six forty nine for the five hundred twelve gigabyte version, you get premium anti glare etched glass on the screen. Uh, you get an exclusive carrying case, the exclusive Steam Community Profile bundle, and an exclusive virtual keyboard theme. So, what do you think most everybody purchased? I would think the low end version. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, that's just me. But, I mean, I, I'm pretty excited. I, you know, I have not bought my son, on the other hand, you know, has a Switch. And I bought a Switch Lite for my youngest daughter. Um, well, when you get it, you'll have to let me know, yeah. like, uh, how many games you can put on it. Yeah. That are, like, you can take with you. Well, I think it's as many as you can fit on your SD card. And I've got some pretty big SD cards at home. <laughs> But, I mean, your my problem is hard drive space. Yeah, your 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 gaming PC has a hundred and twenty eight gig SSD in it. Yeah, this has a sixty four, so it has half of it. But this also has an SD card slot. To, which would be like going back to the old like PS two days where I'm swapping in cards and whatnot. You and could, uh, but I mean, that. you can get terabyte SD cards today. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. And they I mean, don't cost anything. No, they really so don't. So you could probably put your whole Steam library on a Steam Deck with a big enough SD card. You probably wouldn't even need a terabyte. You'd get a 512 gig one, which you can buy down at Micro Center for like 64 bucks. You know. Something to think about. Yeah. Then the other thing is, is it's a 7-inch screen. I probably want to be able to throw that either to my projector or to a bigger monitor or something. I don't know. Is that Yeah, it's doable? I mean the dock is that's part of what the dock is for, but it's I it's doable even without the dock. Um and stuff. Um what I like about it that it being a Linux based system is that I probably play more, like I use RetroArch on a Raspberry Pi <clears throat> a lot. And I probably play more classic games, like Galaga is one of my favorite games to play. You know, just to sit around and enjoy and play. And the Steam Deck would be perfect for playing Galaga, you know. Um, 
I don't play a lot of the AAA games that everybody else wants to play. And I think the last AAA game I played was the first or second Call of Duty when it was World War II. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And again, that was one of those that I could take in like 20-minute to one-hour increments, and then I would that, stop playing for a month. And then I would come back and play for 20 minutes to one-hour increment. That's another one of my stepsons would like. <clears throat> that was error for them. When it, yeah. Yeah. My son likes the GTA games. He has them all. He has them on all the platforms, you know. And uh, I can't stand those. I just, you know, who wants to... Now, I mean, I can understand the their missions and stuff that you do, and that unlocks more content and everything else. But stealing cars and beating people up on the side of the road, that just... I, I don't get my rocks off on that. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> moving on with the Linux theme. Um, Google is bringing Chrome OS to the masses with a new version of Chrome OS called Chrome OS Flex. They're actually pitching it to enterprises because Chrome OS Flex is to be used on old Intel hardware, whether it's Mac or um, PC, <clears throat> to provide a more appliance-type uh application right now um, they have a certified list of hardware and it's fairly comprehensive but the ones that are verified to do everything that Chrome OS can do there's maybe 15 out of 200 that they've tested there's one Mac the 2012 13 inch uh, Core i5 or Core i7 MacBook Pro is one they have um, <clears throat> there's a Dell laptop uh, it's kind of, I forget what model it is. It's the one that's black that had the little red line around it. You know, everybody carried those around because that was what they sold. It's a latitude and they would sell it to companies. Um, it's not newer hardware, but it's, it's interesting to think about because, you know, the idea is that school districts, companies, they have a lot of users who need laptops. They need the functionality that a laptop will do, which Chrome OS, for the most part, particularly Chrome OS that runs Android apps because you can run Microsoft Office on it, um, extend the use of that hardware. Again, it's kind of a pseudo move for sustainability because, I mean, I'm sure Google would rather you just buy new Chromebooks. And that would be the other issue. If I had a lot of this old hardware, how am, you know, there's the way, way you can't get support for it because it's too old to get support so there's that whole thing you have to weigh is you know is it worth using versus buying a new Chromebook for $100 a piece you know um, and again in a corporate environment there's going to be a subset of users where this will you know Chrome OS is actually perfect but there's also another subset of users who you're going to have to have a Mac or a Windows machine, you know, because you need to be able to really do stuff <laughs> besides write documents and surf the web and check your email. I mean, right. I'm, I will admit there are, there's a lot of people who Chrome OS is the perfect thing for them. They, it's hard to break, you know, your, your support calls from a software perspective are probably very low. Um, particularly if in a corporate environment or a school environment where you can lock down what people can load. Uh, but on the flip side of it is, 
you know, you don't have the flexibility of that product. And then, you know, they're designing this and I know it's in the idea is that, hey, this hardware is still good enough to have a good experience and be useful. So we're making an OS that provides a lot of functionality to do this, but it's on hardware that's unsupported. You know, and I hate to say it, but Chromebooks, to a large part, companies tend to keep, if they can buy support from a company for 60 months, they're going to keep it for 60 months. Um, Chromebooks and stuff, where they were giving them to kids, they were really kind of disposable electronics. Go to Best Buy, you know, between the week before Thanksgiving and Christmas, and how many $99 Chromebooks are there? And yeah, they're good enough to do what those kids need them to do. But go look at that same machine a year later. Case is made of plastic. It's cracked. Screen doesn't want to stay up anymore. So what a lot of people do? Chuck it. Buy a new one for 99 bucks. They did that with Windows machines for years. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not totally understanding the I, I understand what Google's doing it and I think it's a good idea from the perspective of something that's out there but to pitch it to corporate corporations because the, the only way to get access to it is through the uh, Chrome Enterprise Google website <laughs> and it's in the unstable beta mode right now well, again, I think that's a. If you have a, an application for that kind of technology, in my business, that's yeah. that's an ideal machine for us. Yes, but the the question I would ask though is like, are you going to run it on old hardware? Um. Eventually, it will be older hardware. Yeah, but you what I mean by that is is that we'll buy it once and then we'll keep it until it's dead. Yeah. Exactly. But I, that's what I'm saying. This is the, the whole idea of this is a new version of Chrome OS and I'm quoting the article. Well, I'm actually quoting the Google Enterprise website. Designed for businesses and schools is designed to run on old PCs and Macs. Um. Wow. I mean, again, I guess if you had, well, we're switching to Chromebooks from iPads. older iPads. Yeah. If we had uh, the ability to to run a a sufficient version of iOS that we could continue to run our application on those older iPads, we would do that. Yeah. That's the same sort of deal here. If you have older tech that needs a newer OS in order to continue but run your, I, running your I app, make the question, most corporations and school districts are not going to run older hardware that they can't get support for. Um... School districts more, are more likely to do that in an emergency? School districts aside, because that's, yeah. that's a whole different thing. Business, there's 
there's big business and then there's small business. Yeah. I think small business is more likely to hang with technology they know that works. Well, they're more even likely beyond the their service contract. I I agree, but this isn't for small business. Well, <laughs> that's Google being Google. Yeah. That's why it's at chromeenterprise.google. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just think that well, I, th- of- I think they've they've chosen the wrong market for Correct. Correct. You know, once they figure that out, they'll assign it properly. Now, where I would think this is, so um, places who get old tech donated for them and they put it and then they give it out to yeah. nonprofits and places who need it, who who know they're not going to get support for it. Right. You know. But the nonprofit sector is perfect for something like yes. that. Yes. Put Chrome on it because most of them, they, they need an office thing. And even if they don't download the Android apps, they have the Google Office Suite, you know, because in Chrome, that those are persistent applications on the uh, on a Chromebook. You know, you don't have to be connected to the internet to use their their word processor and spreadsheet and presentation, and and you have local storage to store things on and things like that. Um, you know, check email, be able to have a, a relatively current version of Chrome, although it's Chrome, uh, privacy nightmare. But you know, that being said. I can see that that that's an application. Um, you're giving away an actual OS, you know, which is where Microsoft has been stupid. Yeah, you know, it, most of those machines all shipped with an OS. At least let them have access to being able to put it back on there if it gets erased. You know, which most of those places they have agreements where they are required to erase that because of data privacy and everything else. And finally. We'll talk about my one of the things I'm most excited about in the tech industry coming up is Apple is finally making a cheaper monitor. Their current Pro XDR display, uh, which is absolutely beautiful, cost $5,000. And then the stand for it costs like another $1,000. So $6,000. I said that when I was in the middle of Micro Center one day, and they're like, no, that's only $4,500. And I'm like, after taxes. It's $6,000. <laughs> I mean, it is a beautiful, it's 32 inch, the XDR display. I mean, liquid metal display. It's just beautiful. It costs $1,000 more than my best computer. <laughs> and that doesn't include the stand to put it on. <laughs> um, there are fanboys who will shell that out. Well, I mean, it, it's not made. It, it is made for people like me, creators who do a lot of video editing and and stuff. But it's also not cre- designed for me. It's designed for the guys who work in Hollywood and the guys who who uh, you know work for Chiat Day, you know, in the marketing department, the graphics design department, and stuff like that. Those co- it was designed for companies to buy them. I'm shocked, frankly, that you know. We live in an area where we're lucky enough to have an actual go-to computer store like a micro center. There's only like 25, 30 micro centers in, in the world. In the, nationally, yeah. Yeah, and everything else is gone. CompUSA, Circuit City. I don't consider Best Buy a computer store because they don't display anything well. And uh, to find an employee is almost impossible to get even if you want to buy something. Um, you literally have to go around. Waving cash. Even if you're waving cash, they don't look at you. 
And then when you, t- you conf- confront them about it, this is a little sidebar, but you confront them about it, they go, it's not our company policy to... I'm like, you should come up and go, is there anything I can help you with, sir? And if I say no, that's your cue to walk away. <laughs> okay, rant's over. Um, they're actually planning on... Um, it sounds like three new um, monitors with the highest end one being the $5,000 XDR monitor, but they've got a 24 and a 27 inch size coming out. Um, Cause the last 27 inch that was an Apple made monitor was the Apple Thunderbolt Pro monitor, which they discontinued in 2016. I have one of them that still works, but um, <clears throat> it's actually, Thunderbolt, yeah, it's Thunderbolt 1 or 2. Um, so to even use it with current hardware, you have to have all these adapters. And the MagSafe that was built in to power your MacBook is not the same MagSafe as they have today. There's no adapter for that. you know. So there's a lot of things to not want to. It's also wildly heavy, and it's not a 4K monitor. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very excited. It's likely that they'll be the same panels that they're using in the IMAX. They're all made by LG, so. But uh, they're saying that the 27 inch could be 2,500 bucks, which makes it a little more affordable, and the 24 inch being 999. Now I will say this, Apple monitors are always gonna be a premium because Apple does a lot of things. Most of their monitors um, have and have had in their previous generations their own processing units that adjust color as the monitors age so that you still get a true color image and stuff and that drives the price up. There's very few other companies who make monitors of that caliber. Um, you have to go into LG's Pro line and LG makes Apple's monitors so it's essential. That's why Apple for a long time has been selling LG's monitors, their 24 and 27 inch, in their store because it, it, is, the, it is an Apple monitor essentially. Um, and those don't cost, you know, three to five hundred dollars a piece either. These aren't gaming monitors. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Matt's kind of, eh, he'd never. He 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 finds his monitors on the side of the road. <laughs> I don't want to go that far. How? What's your biggest monitor? That, uh... that isn't a television. Actual computer monitor. The 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 two duals. They're like nineteen, I think. Nineteen inches. Yeah. Those are babies. Well, <laughs> how do you I, game I, on that? I, I'm nearsighted, so I I sit right on top of them, so it's like <laughs> panoramic. I view. know it's the field of view. <laughs> well, you know that's that's the whole thing I tell people. You know, people are like. I love the theater experience. Well, we have a 75-inch TV in the living room. Not because I really meant to go out and buy a 75-inch TV, but our 55-inch, which was plenty big, yeah. died. Just right. It just died, died. And now you can't get one. And you can't get one. You really can't. It's hard to get a... It, and so I was looking at it, and it was like, 65-inch was this, and 75-inch was this, and it's like, you there's like $50 as well. difference in price. I'm buying the bigger one. Of course. But you sit in there, and you're... You know, you're on your couch, and I'm not like I'm sitting on top of the TV, but my field of view and the perspective is so much bigger than anything you would get in a movie theater. 
I have no need to go to a movie theater anymore. Well, I, that's, plus I can pause it, and go to the bathroom, I which can, is which is why I got a projector. Yeah, I mean, if I need the the theatrical experience without the kid behind me kicking my seat, I can now do that from the the safety of my couch. I well, don't, the other things I can't bring my dog with me to the movie theater. Then there's that. And even if I did, they'd want to charge me and an extra seat and yeah, all of that. Yeah. Dog biscuits probably cost you know thirty dollars from the concession stand. They won't even deliver it to your seat. No, because there's a delivery fee on top of that. Yeah, I don't know. The last few, even before COVID, the last few experiences I had at movie theaters not and we. It's not like we were going to you know like the value movie theater. High-end movie theaters yeah. have been terrible. Like, we saw The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And the sound system, the Dolby sound system, the speakers were all blown in the movie theater. And I complained about it. And they were like, well, you can leave. Like, you can give me my money back. You know, this is not the experience I signed up for. Yeah. And they wonder why that's another dying industry. Well, it was dying beforehand, well, and then COVID really just and then when 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 Warner Brothers decided that they they kind of forced other people's hands to either on the day of just release your movie or the day after, uh, you know. So I haven't gone. I, I have had no need to go watch a movie at the movie theater because there just hasn't been anything good enough to go watch. That required a screen bigger than the screen I have at home. The the last movie I considered going to the theater was that last James Bond movie, and I I'm still waiting for that to just show up on a streaming service. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I so it, I know this is it's a little techy, but this isn't we're we're diverging a little bit. But the uh, if you watched Yellowstone. Uh, I've watched the, was it 1893? 1883. Whatever. I haven't got around to watching Yellowstone yet. It's, it's on my list. I, I'm so to, I think we started with another app. I, I, my DVR was set to catch Yellowstone, but I didn't get, I've got the third and the fourth season. Cause um, it's on Paramount, but it's, so it's a, not on, it's a Paramount par- plus. Yeah. Well, it's a Paramount network show. But it was licensed to NBC. So it's on Peacock if you want to play for uh, Peacock Premium. Oh, but it's on premium. Okay. Yeah, it's not free. So I ended up buying the first two seasons on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Ooh. So I bought the first two seasons, and we watched those, and we're now in the middle of the third season, which is on the DVR, and it's an excellent show. Um, and even though 1883, we... we you know, which is not complete yet. They've only had what six, five, six episodes, something like that. Because they, yeah. it's like every other Sunday they release a new episode. Uh, as a prequel, you you understand things, but there, you know, that's 1883, and the the show season one starts in 2018, and so um, you would not, unless somebody didn't tell you that, and you didn't realize after, like. If you had watched 1883, you may not connect the fact that the sa- the characters have the same last name as the main characters in Yellowstone. You might, but you might not also connect that they're related. You yeah. know, um, it's just the time period is too far apart. Now, evidently, Taylor Sheridan 
So that, it, it's kind of funny. Taylor Sheridan, he plays a bit part in the series, but he's the director and executive producer, and then Kevin Costner's an executive producer. And Kevin Costner stars as John Dutton, the, the main protagonist in the show. And uh, they've got some, now that they have 1883 and Yellowstone going on, they're, they're also going to start like an, another spinoff series that happens in 1932. Yeah. So, but I, I will tell you this. It is, as a, a Western type show, even a modern Western show, it is compelling. And it's a lot of fun to watch. And it's a lot of fun to watch characters do good things for bad reasons and bad things for good reasons. <laughs> Um, and because it's not necessarily a network show, they get away with a better storylines. Kind of like I told you, you haven't watched. You kind of quit watching uh, Navy SEALs. Yeah. And, and I it, know I need to go back. It, and it got pedestrian because they'd kind of pushed the limit of everything they could talk about and do on network regular network TV. And Paramount moved it to this last. They moved it mid season too, which was interesting. Yeah. To Paramount Plus. And all of a sudden, the show got so much better. But dude's still in it, though, right? You don't like uh, I don't really Jason, care for him, but... What's his name? Jason Juanez? Or... I don't know. I just don't like him. I like him. And I don't Master know what Chief it is. Hayes. I don't know what it is about dude. I just I don't like him. I've... I'm sure there's a reason. So I'm it. telling our listeners... Please do. Go watch 1883 yes. and Yellowstone. Yes. You'll enjoy them both. Some of the best acting I think I've ever seen has been in Yellowstone. I mean... Um, I'll watch Sam Elliott do anything on... Oh, yeah. 1883. I mean, that, that dude could just read the phone book, and I'd, I'd shell out my five ninety five for Paramount Plus. <laughs> just for that. Just for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's... My grandmother loved Lonesome Dove. She read the books I don't know how many times. And as a kid, I remember watching, because she had the videotapes. When it was available on videotape, but yeah. I remember she would just watch it over and over and over again. And 1883 reminds me of a better Lonesome Dove. Yeah, And Lonesome Dove, I will admit, was well done for the time. But Sam Elliott, as, you're right. He's just, and, and I'm super impressed by Tim McGraw and Faith Hill in that show, too. Yeah. You know, it's you. You might be an entertainer and and good musicians like they are, but to transition into acting and be be so good at it that your characters are believable. Yeah, that it, that's really hard to do. You know, there <clears throat> there are. It's easy to get cast, typecast. So. Um, Timothy Oliphant, you know, every character he's played since Justified is his Justified character, even in in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Um, And and so in Justified, because he was new, that was great. You know, he was. Yeah. um, uh, But... 
it, it'll be interesting if Tim McGraw and Faith Hill go on and do other stuff after this, if they will still kind of act in those same roles. I don't think so. Uh, and, and the one I'm really particularly impressed with is Tim McGraw himself. Um, you know, his character in 1883 was, uh, he was a Confederate Civil War officer who watched all of his men get killed. And you can see, in, when he portrays that character, you can see the anguish that he still carries with him for that. So, okay. Well, let us know what you think. Is there anything exciting in the tech world that we miss? Let us know. Send that feedback to gizmosapiens at gmail.com. And we'll see you on the digital flip side. Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.